0: To another very special edition of Not the Ninety Two podcast. It's Albert Nor here from another different place in planet Earth. Where last, where last time we were, I was in somewhere different. Was in Denmark, and then the mink struck and kept me in my house for two weeks. So since then, things have changed for the better. I've now moved to Bulgaria. I don't live there. More European football duties call, but the grind to keep non-league football going continues. And trust me. We have a packed show for you this week with all sorts to cover. And not just that, I think we've pretty much found the best news of the season so far. And that's in our pub patter, but I suggest you stick around to hear our thoughts on that. Obviously, we must give a big shout-out to Mupaya for their song, A Strange Living in My Head," our main introduction song to the podcast and always a fabulous listen and gets us going before we start recording as well. So, if you want to listen, it's on all those wonderful music platforms, and yeah, just give them a bit of love as well on our behalf. And to Farrelly Sports, they have the, as Greg Clark likes to call it, the Scott, the, the football drip. He's got some, they have some solid drips, some lovely kids, and uh, very, very kindly sponsoring our podcast as well. So, a big shout out to Farrelly Sports as well. So, normally, we are known as Team Not The 92. We still are Team Not The 92, just minus our esteemed Scottish hosts. So, first of all, you have me doing the National League, and I am... I have to use that thing again where he calls me the man with the big authority. So, I practically cover everything National League-related, and it's been a wild week of National League football. I'm not alone, however, and thank goodness I'm not, because it would be a ridiculous podcast (laughs) if it was. I have with me Tom Mitchell, who will cover the National League North. How are you, Tom?
1: All good. Yeah, uh, looking forward to uh, running through the entertaining, uh, entertaining weekend action in the National League North. So, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, got some cracking games to talk, talk about.
0: Sweet. And also with us, we had to drag him away from his TV screen. I think more of a blessing in disguise for him as he's watching, as we record this, Burnley playing his beloved Crystal Palace. He's more happy to be here than in front of his TV screen. National League South correspondent, a man with the transfer knowledge, Mr Oliver Smars. How are you, Oliver?
2: Um, football-wise, not great. Uh, here, um, hearsay-wise, all right.
0: As long as you're in one piece and haven't lost your mind over hitting the crossbar five times, you'll be fine.
2: Uh, Crystal Palace does that to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You've now found out what team he supports, everyone, so good on you. Um, so... Let's get straight into the business. We'll start obviously with, as ever, the National League. And my goodness, I was treated pretty much to one of the best games of the season two weeks ago, or last week, I should say, when Sutton thumped Kingston 5 1. I didn't think it'd get any better. But sure enough, fresh out of quarantine, I go to Grosvenor Vale. Now, I have to tell you, that ground is. On a, is one of the maddest slopes in the in the league. I've not seen a pitch that literally looks like it's about to go one way one second and it's tilting in the other when you look at it from a different angle. But both sides used it to their advantage and in some ridiculous fashion. For the game of the day, which was in front of the cameras for BT Sport, and they were treated to a special 3-3 draw between Wilson and Sutton United. And, well, I can't tell you how how much emotion there was on the benches and in the of those who were able to witness that game a sure sheer madness of a football match it started in the third minute Tanto isaac, isaac Tanto and arfe scoring a birthday goal. He turned 21 on saturday and scored from close range after Harvey i said did Harvey i said didn't keep out a initial free kick a very good finish on arfe in the end And Sutton seemed to have their dominance in the game, building more covers, creating more chances. The goalkeeper wasn't having an easy time of it, and it got worse for him. As he attempted to clear the ball, I just said, Omar him, charged down onto the ball and managed to get enough contact on it to smash it into the back of the net. And the Lebanese Lebanese international made it 2 0 in the 11th minute. So, in the space of time it took for. Willstons have build confidence, they barely create any chances, they were already 2-0 down. And Sutton was still piling on the pressure, chance after chance after chance, constantly bombarding the Willston back line. And it was a train of problems for their for Dean Brennan's side. And I think he wanted half-time just as badly as any of the Willston players did. They just couldn't get a rhythm going. So he get so once Brennan gets him in the half-time, whatever he said worked, because within 34 seconds. Wilson break out of the traps on the second half, get a straightaway back in thing after Daniel Green breaks into the box, tips a nice ball over to the back post for a former Sutton United player. Ross Lafayette was there to nod home the first of two goals he'd score in that game. And it was not long afterwards that he found the equaliser from yet another Daniel Green assist. He seems to have rerun in the game, the Wilson number 10. From an like initial corner that he took very quickly catching on the Sutton defence, they did read it the first time. They couldn't read the second one as it was whipped in really deep into the six-yard box. And Lafayette was there in the scramble to nod home his second of the game and brings Wilson back into a, from 2-0 down to 2-2. Two two. And again, the game became an end-to-end affair after that. Both teams giving it 100%. Tackles fly everywhere. Chances are plenty. And then it became even more bizarre with no more than three minutes to go. Jacob Mendy-Mendy, so good they named him twice, picks up the ball as well 40 yards out with innocently just thinking about putting it into the box for one of the three men in there to try and get uh, something on it. But Dean Buzanis, the Sutton goalkeeper, is well off position and is expecting the cross instead of the ball going towards where I actually ended up. Mendy shoots for goal and it P-rolls at a relatively relatively rapid speed past the Australian goalkeeper, flailing towards it in desperation, but couldn't get there in time. And Wilson, remarkably doing what they've done all season, coming back from the dead to go 3-2 up with three minutes to go. So you'd think that would be it. Sutton were dead and buried. They'd taken the lead at 2-0, dominating the first half and completely collapsed in the second. Well, football plays funny games, and sure enough, it played a funny game to Wilson here. Wilson's efforts quelled in the end by Craig Eastman's close range finish from a Rob Wilson corner in the 95th minute literally the last kick of the game salvaging a point for Sutton when all it seemed that Wilson were desperately close to winning again and doing what they've done best coming back from the dead against the likes of Rex and Chesterfield already this season they almost did it again so it's a big result for Sutton but equally so I wouldn't, it it would help them to keep their position in the league. But the other scores that also took place earlier on in the day did sort of help them pursue that effort to be second in the national league. So, Boroughwood versus Autrigam ended 1 0 to Autrigam through a goal from McDonald. Minutes to go, came off the bench, giving the northwest side a brilliant victory. And they're starting to recover their form now. I believe that's two wins in a row now for Autrigam. They've for the midweek. Fast by three goals to two and a fantastic win away. So they have started to get some confidence and Phil Parkinson's side are looking like they're starting to understand the rigours and the challenges that Football provides. Another crazy comeback was in Bolsover, a local affair between Chesterfield and Notts County. It just seems as if when you te- when a team like Notts County you know, don't know when they're down and out, they give you something special right at the end. But Chesterfield quite literally dominated the game like they did. But after, that was after Enzo Baldwin got the first goal for was carrying the 22nd minute. Then Jarvis Mugli seems to love scoring goals. He loves to score them anywhere on the pitch. Picks one up from about 30 yards off, smashes it into the back of the net to make it 1-1. Long time into the game, long way into the game until we find our second, which has come off of Big Tom Denton, who instead of using his height, dived down for this one because the ball was played low into the box. He challenged the left fullback, nodded, uh, nodded in front of the boots of the left fullback to get the ball into the bottom corner, beating the goalkeeper. So, just feel comfortable, defending, doing everything they need to stay in front. Get to the 90th minute, I believe, it was four additional minutes of added time. Notts County pull off what they did at Sutton yet again. But this time did it twice. Ruben Rodriguez nods home from a free kick on the right touchline. A lovely ball in. And he gets up. He's he's not a small player, by the way, but he can get a big leap on him. And he nods home the equaliser. And then Carl Woodson, who scored that uh, elusive winner at Green Lane back in October, finished off the job for Notts County in the 90th minute from a similar scenario. Ball played into the box. By Rodriguez, he's turned the assister and not and it was not at home by Woodland for a 3-2 win to Knox County. A fantastic win, a great comeback the Arley side. They just don't know what die means, really. Talking United remained top of the league as they beat Halifax 2-1 away from home. I used to hold open the scoring in the 17th minute before an equaliser from Jamie Allen. However, a penalty was saved by the Halifax goalkeeper from Danny Wright, who just who seemed to do no wrong this season. But eventually... He saved the penalty as he went the correct way, going to the keeper's left. And it was a big pull to stop that one from going 2-1 up at that instance. But Lemon Lemony Evans secured the points for Torquay and Gary Johnson's side, remained top of the National League. Kingsland Town against Dover was a battle of the two worst defences in the National League. A big victory there for the home side. Rory McCauley in the first half with a towering header. Picked up a head injury in midweek as well. So he had a big white bandage on his head. But he still managed to whack home the first goal for the home side just before time. And then a penalty was given after Ryan Hansen brought down Cairo Mitchell. Hanson sent off for that challenge while forcing Dover down to 10 men. And Adam Marriott converting the penalty to give King's Kingsley a, a very big 2-0 win at home. A thrilling game as well at Maidenheads as there were three fantastic goals in that game. Daniel also opened a score after 30 minutes for the home side before an uh, excellent, uh, excellent second goal from Shane Donilon who waited for the ball to land to him out on the outside of the box I and mean, he whacked it hard into the top right corner of the goal. One of the final goals you'll see all season. Reece kohakit I saw that and said, I'll raise you one, mate. Picks up the ball right on right the side of the field, runs across, and then he hits it left-footed into the top opposite top corner of the goal. That made that 2-1 uh, to bring probably back into the game. And he made just needed to hang on and see this game out and he'd be second in the league. But Chris Bush thought otherwise listening to the coaches on the touch who asked him to hit it. He went for it, left footy drive into the top corner again. Three stunning goals in that match. Uh, there's us share the spoils there too, but you've got to give credit to all those who hit those fantastic goals. The Hackett, Fairchild, Bush and Donald, great strikes in a lot of them. Woking gave Barnett another thumping. Barnet just seemed to not find, can't find form nowadays and they're struggling again in a local affair. This time around, Woking put four past them. Kay Ferdinand in the seventh minute. Bynum, Jerome Bynum will put it through his own net. However, working didn't have it all that easy. They did go down to 10 miles of Charlie Kibble, who picked up two quick yellow cards in two minutes. So they went down to 10 men before half time. It took them a long time, though, to get back into the rhythm and score again through Match Kretschmar from a corner. And then a fourth from Dave Tarpe to sort of secure the game. Michael Petrasso did get one back for the uh, away side from the spots, but albeit moot in the overall scheme of the game. It's another big win for Woking. Wrexham's good week continues. They had a massive news last week as we covered on the podcast of Rob McInerney and Ryan Reynolds finally buying the club and they'll be investing £2 million into the Welsh club. So it's very good news and we're happy for Wrexham fans. It just seems to get better and better. Winning midweek against Hartlepool by a goal still. Same scoreline. There are as the method of victory this time against Aldershot Town. Like young so, stunning strike again. Outside of the box, left, right foot drive. B- bending it past the keeper at his near post and securing the points for Wrexham against Aldershot. So big with Rexham, they're starting to recover their season now. And it's back to back wins for them in the National League. And Yeovil Town remain rock bottom, at, and it just doesn't seem to be going well for them. They lose 3 1 at home to Hartlepool. We made the best part of a 618 round trip from the northeast down to Somerset and back up again. It's quite Quite a journey, and I feel like they've had at least something to celebrate. Luke me up in the square after two minutes. Gavin Holloway made it two in the 36th minute, And Tyler Magillot made it three. Joe Pricot draws on back for the home side, but Moose in the end again. And Torquay still yet to win in the National League. Obviously, I talked about the game of the day. It's Wilson three, Sutton three. What that does to the table very quickly, then, is Torquay United ro- running over this at the moment. But there are obviously a lot of teams that have games in hand. But 22 points from nine for Torquay and they're in first. Sutton recovering right at the end, our second in the National League. They go to Wrexham in midweek. A massive game there. A huge match. We're going to get Tom's thoughts on that as well in a moment. Woking, Wilston, Menhead, Eastley and Hartlepool are in the top seven. Then you have Stockport, Solihull, and Notts County and Wrexham, who are right behind them, closing the gap. Stockport County, Solihull, Weymouth, and. Just to make sure I don't get this wrong, there was another 1st round match here, but they some of those teams didn't play in the, in the weekend, so they'll get the chance to play in the weeks in, in the near future. But Stockport and South Hill State, eighth of ninth, Cancel, Rex, and ninth, while not counting Brexit, the gap, so do Kingsley, Bromley, and are all moving up the table up to 14th, where Altrin are. 15th is all the shop, then it's Bournemouth, Wood, Dagenham, Halifax, Weymouth, Bayer, and the Boston was oh, very depressing. Chesterfield, who were very close to three points, stay twenty first. Twenty second is Dover, and twenty third is the overall Town. So, Tom, after all of that madness, I want to get your thoughts. Like we we saw some craziness in Wilston. We have yeah. seen some ridiculous goals at Maine. And this league just never fails to entertain, and once again, it still means that Gary Johnson's side remain top of the league.
1: Yeah. I- didn't somebody say at the start of the season that Gary Johnson would be the first manager to get sacked? I, I, I don't remember that person was. <laughs>
0: Ooh, it wasn't us, though. We are we're, uh,
1: not guilty. <laughs> no, I mean, just looking at Torquay, by the way, like to just pick up that winner with seven minutes to go on Saturday, it, it just shows... like, It's already shown very early signs of a side that is going to be right up there competing this season. Uh, fair play to Gary Johnson. He's, he's making me eat my words. You know, they are flying high, uh, playing some really good stuff. they got a good squad and Gary Johnson he's an experienced manager to be fair to him. Um, I just thought the back end last season they didn't look too great but he sought out the summer and they look a completely different side now and they're, they're just looking like they're, at the moment the form they're on, I mean obviously they're going to have blitz but they're certainly now they're on a really good pathway to putting a really good gap at the top of the league and obviously yeah just sitting below is is Sutton that was the live game on BT, which was for everyone to see, it was madness. It was absolute madness. But the, the, uh, Matt will be extremely defending in second half. But what I have to say is the style of football that Sutton played in that first half was outstanding. The, the pressure the, the, they put on, the way the midfield was, was connecting. Uh, just the front two linking up as well. And they always look goal-threats. I think that's what's what's been a huge improvement from Sutton compared to with the way it started last season is the style of football. And now the, 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 the two strikers match playing is working a treat, but a huge credit to Wilson as well. And the style of football they played that I thought the wingers got so much more involved and obviously Ross affect movement was outstanding. Yes. The defender was very good from Sutton, but you still have to be in the right places to put the ball in the back of net and, Ross definitely did that and I'll just say in off air to you before we, we we start the podcast that in my opinion I, I know it's early days but these are two sides that I think have got all the ingredients to be up there uh at the end of the season there's such a long way to go and we who knows what can happen during the season we don't know how the, the coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic is going to pan out <laughs> but hopefully um Hopefully, it should be all fine now. And obviously, we discussed late about fans coming to grounds. But that, that was, um, that was for me, would probably be one of the best games of the season. Uh, honestly, that was outstanding and great view. And obviously, obviously, yeah, just one more thing that caught my eye was Notts County. Again, I think that's a, that's a big result for them at Chesterfield. I mean, Chesterfield be heartbroken. They're now sitting in uh, the bottom three as it stands. But I think for Notts County, um, again, I talked about Torquay showing spirit, Sutton showing spirit. Notts County were another great example uh, of that. And, you know, what, with 50 minutes to go, there must be scratching their heads thinking, man, it's, it's going to be one of those days. But uh, and when they in at the 90th minute, to be fair, but fair play to Notts County. And when you have a striker like Carl Woodson, anything can happen for him to get the winner. That, 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 will, that will keep Notts County ticking nicely and um, bring a bit of momentum um, back into their season. So they're, they're real standouts for me uh, from this weekend's National League games
0: brilliant and um, another wonderful weekend on National Football can't say we, we're being spoiled by the, by the teams and again midweek there are three more massive games we are all to bring obviously again there's such a weight on it as well Sutton going to Wrexham will really draw the eye of many We're Sutton second in the league and Wrexham started to find some form there will be a big it'll be a big ask to go to Wales, but Macrae has got that team firing, so you never know. Finally go to host Hartley and Australia will also play Bromley at home. So those are three more games we'll in the National League this week. So Just like
2: good. to add before we move on, I think we've had our first managerial sacking of the season in the yeah. National League. Okay. Ooh,
0: is this a bit of breaking Ooh. news we're having on no. live recording?
2: Chesterfield managers sacked.
0: Ah, well, it no. was it was well known last week. John Pemberton left Chesterfield after I think it was how long ago now? He's joined in January, so that's ten months in the job. It hasn't been a very easy ride for him, and I think at the weekend it was John Donald who took over. So they are looking for another manager. Paul Cook was the last long-serving manager there. It's going to be a while though until we see someone of a stature in uh, the Bolsover area again. But Chesterfield will need to recover and recover quickly. So. We hope to see them move up the leagues very soon. Enough of the national league. That's it from for my part. Uh, I now hand you over to Mr. Tom Mitchell. To and the screen is on my left. On my left, he will be giving the national league north. It's been another wonderful weekend of national league north football. Tom, I can't say that we are like we are in the national league. We're being spoiled with quality football yet and again, and. Before we start with the review, I think we've got to uh, highlight something here. The guys in the commentator has been getting a lot of flack this week. The <laughs> oh. poor fella, twice this week, has been caught out by names that sound real, but don't. It's the old Mo and the Simpsons trick coming back to life. I'm, I feel so bad for him. The poor fella gives it his time and day trying to entertain people while I'm stuck in their house. Supporting their team from their sofa, and he gets a man dying and kiss, ringing him in the middle of the afternoon. How wonderful!
1: Yeah, I, I feel for the guy. I really do. He, as you say, he's trying his best, and it happens. It happens to the best of people, and it's just one of those things. Unfortunately for him now, it is going to be a little bit of a internet internet meme, but. I just take, take it on the chin. It's um, it's it's one of those things. He's still doing a, a great job. So, uh, yeah, let's go on to the football now. And Guisele uh, are the first team involved in uh, the game we're going to be looking at. So it's uh, Guisele versus Gloucester. It was, a, it was a drab first half. but It certainly uh, picked up the prolific strike partnership of Matt McClure and Aquazi Asante. But Gloucester City 2-0 up early on. In the second half. Uh, however, Gloucester did concede the late penalty, which resulted in Kevin Dawson getting sent off and Labrune and Becker converted for Geisley. Wasn't enough in the end, though, for Geisley uh, to pick up anything. Uh, another three points for a high fine Gloucester. So, Farsi, Celtic, and Kidderminster all ended 2 2 there. Uh, Kidderminster haven't made a habit of conceding cheap goals this season, especially on the road. So the frustration was evident uh, on 70 minutes when the home side took the lead. It was all too simply, to be honest. It was a corner that was not cleared, and Tom Allen fired into the roof of net. Uh, to be fair, the response to going beyond this season has always been good from the Harriers, uh, and that was once again the case. Uh, they just needed five minutes to reverse the early deficit into a lead. Uh, Firstly, ever-impressive Austin continued his scoring run uh, by turning his man and firing into net from 20 yards. Then with home heads completely spinning, uh, Hemmings was played in and cross low to the on-rushing Sterling. was run to absolute perfection to turn the ball home. Uh, Kinnamister did make a slow start to the second half, and barely a minute past the restart. The scores were level again. Spencer showing good strength to get a shot off. Uh, Johnston finding the net from six yards after Simpson could only parry the initial effort. So a very entertaining game there. Uh, Telford picked up all three points at Bradford Park Avenue, the 2-1 victory. Uh, the box opened the scoring as possession was given away by Mark Ross and the ball ended at the feet of Dominic McHale, uh, who fired home from 18 yards. Uh, the winger scored his second uh, quickly after the break uh, with an excellent strike from 20 yards uh, before Lewis Knight's goal set up. A nervy finish against the 10 men of Telford who had Andy Bond sent off. Uh, that probably the performance of the weekend, defeating Southport 4-1. It was an added time in the first half. The deadlock was excellently broken as Garner netted his first Heed goal. Uh, Ollie found the Fleetwood Loney 25 yards out, who rocketed the ball straight past Hanford and into net. It was straight after the break. Garner struck gold for a second time. Uh, Jordan Preston linked up with the 22 year old who blasted the ball under the keeper from the edge of the box. Uh, Mike Williams' men were in dreamland as Garner got another in quick succession. Uh, it's a magnificent build up play from the Head. Uh, sent Garner through on goal. He made no mistake in slamming home his third of the afternoon. Uh, three minutes later, Garner drove into the Southport area before being tripped by Muhammad Ali. Uh, centre back Nicholson dispatched uh, the penalty perfectly as his powerful prod proved too high for, uh, for Hanford. Uh, Sandgrounders had a sequence of challenging corners late in the game, but they eventually pulled the goal back through substitute John Ar- Archer. Uh, striker pounced on across at the back post, heading past Mel. But it proved nothing less than a conversa- uh, consolation as Gateshead uh, got a well deserved three points in the end. Uh, Leamington had a fantastic afternoon at Curzon, defeating then 3 uh, 0. The opener scoring on 40 minutes with a glorious goal. Uh, some superb hold up play from Smith saw in lay the ball back for Josh Martins, ping a long ball forward, uh, which completely bypassed the Curzon defense, uh, allowing Osborne to tear onto it and advance a few paces before clipping a delightful effort over the Strand and Mason from some 20 yards out. Uh, within a couple of minutes for the host, they found themselves further behind thanks to some more fine work from Smith and Osborne down the lean and right. Uh, superb work on the touchline from number 9 saw him feed Osborne, who's driven effort across goal, struck someone on its way uh, into the far corner, though initially it was unclear whether it was uh, Danny Waldron or a defender. And to wrap up the afternoon, Leamington added another goal, and it was certainly a goal of the season contender to add to their collection uh, for the afternoon, five minutes into the second half, uh, receiving the ball some 25 yards out or more from goal uh, from a half clearance in the end. Uh, Jack Lane drew back his left boot and thundered possibly the goal of his life into the top corner past the flailing Mason. It was an absolute top-drawer strike from a central defender, uh, Brackley and Chester uh, ended all square in the end 1-1. One, one. Uh, Chester uh, returned from a three-week absence uh, to pick up a well-earned point in the end uh, at Brackley. It was their first nationally north encounter since uh, Halloween, uh, following several positive COVID tests within the squad earlier this month. Uh, but to be fair, the Blues didn't look rusty and conjured up uh, the better the chances. In, in somewhat an e- even affair in the end, uh, Matt Lowe's strike earned the Saints a point after Chester took the lead from an own goal following a corner early in the second half. Uh, Joel Taylor was sent off late uh, for a second bookable book defence. But to be fair to Chester, Chester defence, they stood uh, firm as a unit, sealed a hard fought uh, point. Uh, Darling Tunua uh, really started to put their season on an upwards uh, trajectory. Uh, the Quakers, uh, they won 2-0 at uh, Alfredton. The Quakers had the, the better of the opening exchanges in the game and took the lead on 12 minutes when uh, Eriko Souza prodded in at the back post after George Willis parried away a uh, Tony McMahon cross. Uh, dangerous and tricky winner showed quick feet following uh, the parry to create himself a tap-in for just a few yards. Uh, dancer played the counter-attack game to a T and killed the game on 84 minutes when uh, Souza found Adam Campbell in acres of space. Uh, on the left, inside the box, he slot the ball into the bottom corner to seal the contest and a well deserved three points for Darnton. The last game I'll be reviewing, in my opinion, is the game the weekend team, Hereford and Shirley. Uh, to be fair, Shirley, they've uh, produced a stunning fight back, only to be denied all three points at the death against Hereford at Edgar Street. Uh, Hereford start the bet of the two sides, though the first real chance of the game uh, did, fall to, um, did fall to Ollie Shenton, who just shot wide, and Elliot Newby, who shot from the outside the box, flicked onto the post. Uh, best opportunity in the half fell to uh, James McQuilkin, um, who found himself one on one against Matt Irwin, but the midfielder skydish shot well over in what was the, the last meaningful action of the first 45 minutes. Uh, but on the hour mark, the host broke the deadlock with a big slice of fortune. Uh, ball skipper Jared Hodgkiss cut inside from fullback and hit a left footed shot that was going wide until it hit Scott Leather and flew past a stranded Irwin. Uh, the Magpies looked to respond quickly, uh, having gone behind, and for the second time were denied by the woodwork after Arlen Birch uh, headed. The ball onto the post with the rebound cleared as newbie tempted to pounce. Uh, Chorley's efforts were eventually rewarded, though, with six minutes left when Birch's driven cross from the right found uh, Lewis Riley unmarked at the back post to tap home the leveller. Two minutes later, having gone behind via the flexion, uh, Andy Hall's returned the favour with a shot from 25 yards, had a huge slice of luck uh, coming off Hodgkiss on the edge of the box, and it went past the stationary white in the end turn the game on its head but that was not the end of the scoring as the Bulls responded almost immediately to snatch a late point and lanell John Lewis powering a header home from corner in the last minute uh, to break surely hearts obviously we talked about them last week how they needed to get their league season going uh, it's fair it's not a bad point Hereford but that was heartbreak from the end um, fast picker performance the weekend though it would certainly be Gateshead's 4-1 whenever Southport and They now need to take the momentum, Gateshead, into a a very tough uh, fixture uh, home to Gloucester tomorrow. Um, Gloucester flying high at the top of the league. Let's go through the league table. Uh, So, Gloucester are top uh, seven points clear from second place filed on 23 points. Uh, Adjacent below filed is Kidderminster, Telford, and Southport, all on uh, 14 points. And Spennymoor and Curzon make up the top seven, uh, both on 11 points. Uh, bottom two consist of Guisley and Kettering, although to be fair to them, they both have uh, played five games, which is uh, not a lot Also, they've got obviously plenty of fixtures left to turn their seasons around. But another very entertaining weekend in the National League North. Uh, and although Files have got two games in hand, at the moment Gloucester have got a lovely gap at the top. Certainly,
0: and I'm impressed with... The consistency that Gloucester are providing the league and giving everyone else something to chase. Again, like you said, there's a lot of teams with games in hand. So yep. while they are in a comfortable position in the points, there's still the chance for Killingmister and File to recover their yep. lost ground and get above them and maybe force them to up the ante a little bit. We did talk about Chorley last week and it's very good to see them. they won in midweek away from home as well a huge victory in uh, just make sure I get this right against Telford. Yep. So that result helping them along to what hopefully we with, hopefully that and their draw on Saturday will be a big game this Saturday away from home in the FA cup against Peterborough, big task, same division as Wigan, but at the same time, that's a team that are high scoring and have a lot of good players. So we wish them well, hopefully they'll get a good, we'll get wish them well, get hopefully a good result and could be keeping that National League North representation in the FA Cup going into what, for them, might be a game-changing third round. Third round draw, I believe, is on Monday night as well. So get ready to rub your hands together, everybody, for that one. I wanted to also shout out once again uh, Gateshead. Fantastic balls a great hat-trick as well yeah. for Gerard Garner. Do you think Gateshead can really get their season going now? They've started to look like a team that, Yes, they struggle at points in the season, but they've now gone on beating in three. They're looking up. The, they're looking up now, not behind them. Can they get up the table? You're obviously a man local to the to the area, so it has some meaning to you. Can you see them getting up the league in the next few weeks?
1: Yes, definitely. They're really starting to pick up form now, and I mentioned they're playing Gloucester tomorrow. If they beat Gloucester, imagine the confidence that's going to give them. And to be honest, there were. A few disgruntled Gateshead fans, and understandably, so they didn't start. Obviously, hadn't start the season very well. Um, they didn't start the season very well, obviously, before these last few weeks. Uh, and there were a few iffy calls, thinking that it, is Williamson the man for the job. Um, they, they, some of the team selections and the way the team formed that weren't too pleased. But in fairness, uh, and credit to Mike Williamson, he's completely turned it around in recent recent weeks. They look a really good attacking team now. And they're going to take this into Gloucester um, tomorrow night. It's going to be a fascinating game. If they can win that, I think the sky's the limit for that. the sky's the limit for them. I, I think the, my worry for Gateshead was is they're going to be a hangover from that very heavy playoff defeat. But um, in, in fairness, they've now got their season back on track. And you know, you look at the likes of Gateshead. I think I think Darlington are another one to look out for. As well, I, I think now they've had a, they've had a really good week, picking up some very impressive away wins. You look at York; they've only played four games. You Expect a, a team like York when they can get their games going again, that they're certainly going to be a threat. So, I think there's going to be a lot of change in the table as the season goes on, and I uh, I, I can't wait to see it all unfold.
0: All right, and finally, before we sign off, we have to obviously we need to do the we would normally do a midweek show, but we're very busy trio during the week. Livingston obviously had got in some a big result on Saturday but we could not ignore the absolute madness that was their 4-3 victory over Alfreton Town when Alfreton were 3-0 up after 21 minutes thanks to two goals from Jake Day and Elliot Ruiz who made it three after 21. You'd think that's it then there's no way back for the home side. Samuels will hit a double in the 55th and 60 and a half minute with minute and they suddenly get back in second with three minutes to go. 3-3, free free. pandemonium. The Leamington bench went mad. Yep. And you think, surely there's no way back for them now. <laughs> and sure enough, right at the end, Jack was bigs it 4-3. For me, that result this week might just have had something to do with their winner, Ash- uh, Cousin Ashton, because they were absolutely fantastic in their comeback. So big plaudits to Leamington and a wonderful comeback. I think they call it Bull or something like that. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> But uh, it has the sort of Champions League final comeback ability about it. So, massive props to Leamington and well done to him. So, obviously, we have to turn off to the guys in commentary. Please Please stop taking the mick out of him. The poor guy's there to do a job and entertain the fans, all right? And Leamington, shout out to you. You deserve, for me, I think, I don't know, you deserve National League Team of the Week. How about that? Yeah? That's a good one. So, uh, we, should, we now go to the much maligned and equally competitive National League South. I see right now some very interesting results. Lots of draws, but this league is competitive and Mr. Oliver Smart is the man for it. So, Oliver, hopefully you're not too distracted by what's going on on your screen. And you could take us through what has been a very big result for the likes of the big results for the likes of Dartford and, and Dorking Wanderers.
2: Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, top two both win both won this week with Dartford winning 2-0 and Dorking Wanderers winning 3-1 against Concord Rangers just touching on the uh, Dartford game, they of course beat Slough Town 2-0 at Princess Park Dick Chris Dixon new signing, just signed before the game uh, p- scoring both of the goals From a, I must say he's a dual registration from Hornchurch Um Dartford started off on the front foot with Dixon, having a chance to open the scoring after Jack Barham flick on, but could only pull his shot wide. Slough getting a chance of their own as Dan Roberts took the ball, played it to Paul Hodges, who ran into the outside of the box, decided to have a shot, which was blocked by one of his own player, players, and Dartford eventually cleared the danger. Slough again had a ch- had a chance with Roberts looking which looked to be a cross, but on close inspection, it looked like it was going to dip into the net, which the keeper, Dartford keeper, Ethan Waddy, had to tip over the corner, all the all like corner. But at the start of the second half was when things lit up as Dartford, straight from kickoff, ran the ball into the slough box with Barham with a fancy turn to get away from Aaron Cahill, got, it, got the low-driven cross in, and Dixon met it and put, put it into the net to give him his debut goal for the Darts and make it 1-0 to them. And we didn't have to wait long until the second goal, as it came from a free kick on the bottom left side of the Slough corner area, after Hussein was brought down by Sean Fraser. The incoming free kick delivered by Jack Jeb And Dixon, despite being marched, stuck his foot out, which the ball found its way into his foot and... It went into the net for his brace. Slavo did come close to half in the, the scoreline as Turner took a loose ball from the Dartford header, booted it up onward, upwards to Warren Harris, who had his eyes on the ball with two defenders and the oncoming Wardy around him. He managed to lob it over Wardy, Raddy, where he, he looked to be heading in, but the speed and determination by Connor Essam, to keep the clean sheet, and he managed to clear off the line to keep the score 2-0. There was time for Dixon to get a hat-trick from a corner, which was headed off the line. But it fell to Dixon, who decided to go for the fancy acrobatic with a bicycle kick, but it went over the, over the bar. Both Dartford did have to play the last 10 minutes, down to 10 men, as Jacob Bakili Akpiong was deemed to have made a bad challenge on the Town defender, who made the challenge on Appion but on the replay it looked as though his head was clipped by the um, by the Russian Appion who lost his balance on the challenge. Obviously tell me what you think about that but Slough couldn't make any of their ten men advantage count and Startford keep their three point lead at the top of the table ahead of Dolky Wanderers who of course won against Concord Rangers who in the midweek, lost to Braintree Town. Corey Davidson scoring the winner on that Tuesday night up in Essex, giving them their first win of the season under new manager Ryan Maxwell. Dawkins, of course, won 3-1 against Concord Rangers. When Even went down to the top nine men with Fogden and Alfie Rutherford both being sent off. The uh, having a Waterlooville duo signed from them. But two Jason Pryor penalties as well as as Briggs made Aaron Pollock equaliser for the Beach Boys in vain who also finished the match with 10 men with ex-woking player Alex Wall being sent off. Uh, Keeping with the rest of the scores, Chelmsford fell to a 2-0 defeat to Chippenham Town. Ross Stern and Bradley Ash scoring the goals. Epsley suffered a... Shock 1 0 defeat to, to, to another fellow Kent side, Tonbridge Angels. Tommy Ruth getting the goal just before half time. Hampton and Richmond Borough continue their good run of form with a 1 0 win over Bath City. Sam Deadfield, with four minutes to go, slamming in a 86 minute penalty. Hemel Hempstead drew against the only side without a win in the National League South, Dulwich Hamlet. Dutch Hamlet did take the lead in the forty-fifth minute through Danny Mills, a red card with Charles Claydon, and in the forty-fifth, the forty-fifth third minute of added time, which allowed Nathan Cooper of Hemel, hence Hempstead to equalise, and that's how it stays. Uh, Jake Robertson's penalty cancelled out Ibrahim Ola Tude's seventh-minute opener for Maidstone as they drew with Billerickie Town. And East Borough drew to Oxford City. Charlie Kendwell penalty well, Charlie Kedwell's goal was cancelled out by Josh Ashby's penalty for Oxford City, who who as well finished with ten men, with Osler picking up a red card. And Saint Albans and Hungerford finished nil-nil. And there was one more game, Relling v. having a but which was postponed due to coronavirus. Mm-hmm.
0: So I want to know, Oliver. How did Talking Wonders end up with nine men on the football page?
2: Uh, they picked up two
0: records. Well, yeah, that's the obvious answer. <laughs> we do our best to look at all the games here on the podcast, but that bewilders me. Them going to nine men and still winning three one away from home to Concord Rangers a great performance there, though. for, for Mark White's side, I personally believe though that they've got a car of discipline. There's a time where you could be harassed and that's how you don't have to be rash. Part of me thinks there's about 20 fights in that game that probably led to that many red cards being given. But yeah, big wins with Dartford and Dorking. Table as it stands, Oliver. I think we are quite sure at the moment that we're seeing what is currently the top three sort of struggling with form a little bit, particularly... Uh, particularly with Dartford just starting to find their feet again. They lost out last week to St. Albans for winning on Saturday against against Slough and Dorking drawing no one at home to Dalit Hamill in a match that actually got reversed from the one that was supposed to be at Champion Hill because of floodlight issues at Dalit's grounds. They had to play that at uh, Meadowbank instead. But even still, both first and second struggled to results last week and this week win. Do we, uh, lads, do we think that these the current top three will be the same top three challenging for promotion at the end of the season, or are we expecting something different from another team in the South? Uh
1: I remember looking at this a few weeks ago actually, and I I definitely thought that Dartford and Dorkin were the two strongest. Just looking at pre from pre-season, they, they looked the two strongest sides. So to me, it's no surprise at all that they're in the top two, uh, and I, I could easily see them carrying on what the great work they've done so far. I, I mean, Dawkins, I've got two games hand on Dartford as well. I me, mean, I, I suppose you look at when you're looking at to so that top seven section. Hungerford is still the one they're really right now at the moment, uh, to be honest. But I mean, I, again, I, I think Maidstone. You look at the setup they've got there. That that for me is a along with Epsley, actually, to be honest, you know, Kent have got some really good non-league clubs and, you know, the City may so own Epsley sitting sixth and seventh at the moment, but I think their sides that I could see challenging, maybe may challenging the top two uh, when the season goes uh, further on. So, yeah, I'd say there have been another couple of standouts. Um, I think I haven't, if I had to pick another team, sort of. Not quite in that top four yet, but I think the challenge I think having is another standout one. Again, only played five games. Uh, you look at a manager like Paul Dostoevon, I mentioned a lot of times, fortunate, fortunate to have him on the podcast, and um, his experience is, is going to be invaluable for when you know they start getting those big runner games together. Because you know Paul Dostoevon experienced actually in Sutton's 2013-14 season, where there's a lot of games for Spawn. And, you know, it's something play a lot of games in a short space of time. It's going to be the same for Haven't this season. Um, so, yeah, to have a manager like Paul Doswell is going to be valuable for them. So, I'd say, like, Maidstone, obviously, uh, and haven' I I could see them definitely trying to get in that that, that top four and maybe looking to challenge um, Dartford and Dorking. But for me, though, they're a really strong top two, Dartford and, and Dorking. It's going to be very tough to to break, break them up, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. What's the most bewildering stat is that at the moment, Dartford have played ten matches this season, and only half of that have been played by Havant. So, why would it be? I wouldn't be surprised if they use that to their advantage and the start creeping up the table slowly but surely. But you never know. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll probably we're hoping for the best for Doswell's side. We did also cover last week uh, Braintree Town, who were rock bottom. And we're getting a good old scathing from our Greg Clark. We've not, we're, we're nice in them this week. They finally won a game of football this season in the National League South. So big props to them. And Corey Davidson who scored the winner for them against Concord Rangers in midweeks. And Concord obviously, FA Trophy finalists, you still don't know when they're going to get to play that game. So hopefully, I think with the announcement, we're about to cover a huge topic in a moment which relates to that. That will be closer than we think. So massive opportunity there for them to secure uh, a historical title against we Got in a few weeks' time. So, uh, this week's pub patter is one of which I think was excited all of us today. As we prior to recording this podcast, we found out the news that with the national lockdown set to end on December the second, Boris Johnson announced today that there is. A, there's an official and there's no there's no like two ways but no rumours no hoo-ha about it. Brazil's announcing today that spectators are allowed to return to outdoor indoor sports venues from the end of lockdown depending on the tier that the local council are based in so the constituency could, if they're in tier 3 can't can can't have fans if the constituency is in tier 2 then it's a 2,000 cap on the amount of people can go in there and in tier 1 it's 4,000 for all outdoors and indoor sports halls and arenas. So, with that in mind, National League fans have gotten very excited because obviously there's a lot of clubs who have been waiting for the news that this sort of has been ravaging them for many weeks now. And they finally get the opportunity to see their teams playing football again with their own bare eyes. A Little bit different to how we're used to it because obviously, with the pandemic still going on, we're going to be a little bit more distance, But it's nothing they're not used to. So, I, for one, I'm happy. We will, I welcome this brilliant piece of news. It's been eight months in the making. And for these people who've done so much, the fans deserve it more than anyone. They've worked hard. They've had to stick with it for so long, much like ourselves. Me, Tom and Oliver, we're privileged to be able to go to as many games as we can as media guys. But... Beyond that, we're so, like we are fans too, and it's a shame that we've missed, we, we have not been able to see you. So it'll be a wonderful day. I, Tom, you're very keen. I know you've been very excited to talk about this matter because it's been something that's played on all of our minds throughout 2020 since the end of the National League season in the beginning of April. What like, what are your right overriding feelings now that you found out we can finally go back and watch football next month?
1: I'm absolutely delighted. Um... Yeah, some people will will look at it. um I think maybe some of the rules aren't perfect, but I'm just I'm just delighted we're going to get fans back in, and I I just want to see some sort of progress, and this is some sort of progress, and uh, and I think this is for, for the whole of the non-league as well. This this is going to be massive, not just for people just to get to see their team, but you know to just to just have. Fans in and around the ground, just I, I think just for more of a match day buzz. Yes, obviously it's going to be different. Um, it's not going to be as you know tightly cramped and standing and huddle right with your mates and uh, as you usually do. But uh, overall, though, to, just for people to get to see their football team again, it's just it's just going to be great, and it's, it'll be a nice little ending to what has been a hard year for for everyone uh, with this coronavirus pandemic, and hopefully now. We can see more progress. This hopefully this will work well. We can see more progress coming to New Year. Um Obviously, I know this virus is unpredictable, but hopefully everything will will continue to improve. And not not just in non league, but throughout all the leagues in England, we'll start to see more fans coming. Obviously, I know vaccine is a, is is going to be massive to to let more fans in. But yeah, but my initial reaction is I'm 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 absolutely over the moon. It's just going to provide more. More of a match day buzz, and you know players have actually done really well. They they've gotten with their job superbly, but yeah, they'll be lying if if, if fans, being them, won't lift their game. You know about that extra sort of five percent. Uh, I I'm I'm just over the moon, and it's just a huge relief to, to be honest, because it's it's a topic that has been bothering everyone for so long. When are we going to be allowed back in? And yeah, I think for the whole non league they'll be breathing a sigh of relief and it it's just great to see and hopefully long mate continue and um, you know high capacity fans will be allowed in obviously yes it is dependent on on the tiers and maybe some people will be annoyed about that but I, I understand that completely and people have been saying as well I think it's more the higher leagues but um oh will they will they provide more of an advantage and, and that but I, for me, I, it's, it's progress and I, I'm, I'm delighted about this news and hopefully it'll just get better.
0: Yeah, I did neglect to mention it's not just the National League, it's all elite leagues. National League is classified as an elite league, uh, prior, obviously, as prior to obviously the previous restart, so that's why we couldn't get the season done last year. But them, including the EFL and the Premier League, will be allowed to walk on depending on the specific tier they're in. So we're hoping to see a lot more... Match day photos for those who are very lucky to be able to go. I am expecting it, though, to be a very selective amount of people for those big games up in the Premier League and in the Championship, mainly focusing, I think, mainly to get key workers in and people who've really worked hard, volunteers on the front line, who've done their hardest to keep the the community going throughout the pandemic. I'm sure they'll get first dibs and they deserve it. Of course, they're, they're the heart and soul of the country. Without them, most of the stuff that has been going on wouldn't have materialized so they will get first dibs i'm sure but after that everyone will get a chance i'm looking forward to seeing some premier league football at some point point. it will be it'll be a long time since then and you know what uh football is you know as we always say football is nothing without the fans they deserve the ability to see their players their heroes running up and having a nightmare giving it their all and trying to get three points or whatever it may be, winning a final or getting promotions in that division or surviving on the last day. It deserved that, right? And you know what? I think we've, we as football fans ourselves, we all support a club. We all support someone we love dearly with all our hearts. And for them, to, for us to be able to now have the opportunity to see them play more so internationally, because obviously with the attendances that have been capped, it's going to be a lot more, of an atmosphere in those leagues. And I think when we see the lower leagues as well, when we're talking about this, local county leagues as well, getting started again as well, all those will see their normal numbers start to quell again. They've already capped at 600. And even that was a lot. But when they get to their normal numbers now, up to the thousands that they used to get in earlier in the year, that's going to really help them as well. And you've got to, you've got to really give hats off, obviously, to everyone who's been involved. And... Yeah, we some people will be crying foul about the system, but it's the only pertinent way to keep everything going. Oliver, I wanted to get your thoughts before we sound off on this. Uh, obviously, we're you yourself a big football fan, you support team in the Premier League, you follow a team in the National League as well. What are your thoughts on finally being able to watch football as a fan again back in, in a couple of weeks' time?
2: Uh, best news ever, like. Like obviously being in a ground with no fans is nothing but soulless. And I'm just and the sooner we can get fans back in the better.
0: Would you be, what would be for you? Like is there anything like different you'd want from a match experience to what you had before? I mean, lots of people don't want to change anything, but does ever you wanna see that would be different to what we're used to on a normal Saturday uh, afternoon
2: for three? I'm always fine as I'm fine the way it is, really.
1: Tom um, anything different from match experience uh, to be honest I, I i actually think that the fans have, have missed the game so much I think that I think there's going to be I'd, I'd love to see just even more chance and i think I think this year in general just made people appreciate stuff so much more and obviously. Going to footballs, it's a massive part of people's lives, uh, and especially just keeping league football clubs alive as well. And I think, I, I, think that that community atmosphere is going to feel even tighter. And I just, you know, obviously, yes, it, as we mentioned, it's going to be more distance, but I, I, I still think the atmospheres is going to be really good. And I, I, yeah, one thing I like to see is just even more chance than usual and atmospheres ramped up that little bit more um, just to encourage those players that have have really missed the fans. So yeah, that, that'd be something I'd like to to see um, even even more and a little bit different from previous match days uh, pre-lockdown.
0: Yeah. um, I don't know. Personally, I'd like the clubs to do whatever they can to welcome the fans back in the best way possible. And I don't want to, don't go over the top is what I'm trying. No, I'm not trying to say that. Don't go all out, but try to make it as great an experience as possible because these people have not seen football for this long and they deserve the right to be able to have something in return for giving up their money, of course, to watch their team play. I'd say, obviously, if you can't watch your big team, Get down to non-league. Get yourself to the ground. Watch it. It can be pulsating. I've said it already today. You, saw, you heard the joy in my voice when I talked about Saturdays, games in Wilson and Sutton. Without fans, it was a bit of a different atmosphere. With it, it would have been outrageous to be a part of, right, of people jumping up all over the place, excitement, beer flying, whatever you could think of. Celebrations. That's what we've missed. We've missed that camaraderie, the noise, the chance. We've missed all that. And we're gonna get that chance now. So if you are a big fan of a of a team in the Premier League or in the Championship, and you don't have the opportunity to go and watch your team play when you're allowed to go and watch them again, please don't sit in your house and just sulk and watch your team play from your TV screen. Watch real football. Go and help the little fella with his uh, small empire and the, and the horsey horse fence around the pitch, trying to keep everyone away from the from the lush green grass he's trying to grow. Give them a watch and you might just find it's a little bit more enjoyable than the, the 40 pounds seat you sit on every saturday afternoon spending it watching your team get thumped 5-0 by man city so hopefully you'll enjoy uh, your weeks and hopefully we'll get we'll be very soon we'll try and get to grounds more as we as fa- we are again we are non league fans we love to go and see new teams we love to learn a lot about their club histories and we won't have a lot of the same teams that we did at the start of 2020, and we are very sad they're no longer here. The likes of Drawls, uh, to to name one as in particular, who I am very keen on because big man United fan me, and a lot of the local clubs in Manchester are supported by those clubs who support my un our fans of Man United that support those clubs in the non-league. So, and the same with. Tom with Newcastle, he's got Gateshead up there. You have Marina in the northeast as well. All of those clubs surrounding, Mask United, all these little yeah, small Padres, towns. Palace
2: have Bromley. Hmm? Palace have Bromley. Bromley, you have Bromley,
0: you have Tom Bridge, you have, uh, well, who, else, who else have you got in? Ken Dartford. Just to name a what few, a the clubs that some. we support. In London, it's not just Chelsea, Arsenal and Tottenham. You have Sutton, you have Hampton and Richmond, you have Walthamstow, you have Kings, you have uh, Harringay Borough, just to name a few. All these teams, they need your help. They need to get them, help them get back to where they belong, make them feel good, make them feel they work. They welcome you like you're just a regular fan. And if you can give them that little bit, they will be more than happy to give something back. And that hopefully will be a very interesting game of football and a very nice chat with some of the players afterwards. So if few distance, of course. So, everyone, get down to your local. That's all I can say. Not your local pub, obviously. Your pub is just as important, I'm sure. But get down to your local football team and give them a support. And hopefully, when, this, when you get the chance to see football again, you enjoy it just as you did before we had to go through this wretched pandemic. So that from us is it. That's not 92 for this week. A big thanks from me, to Tom Mitchell and to Oliver Smart as always for coming in and keeping me sane, obviously, because, you know, when you're by yourself and doing podcasts, is not easy. But uh, we have obviously provided you with all the National League nonsense and the big news about fans returning to the grounds in December. So we're very excited about that. But uh, apart from that, we'll be back next week. Uh, usual time and space. Uh, I'll probably be in a different location again. I'm in Bulgaria this week to do a Europa League game. So there'll be fans here as well to watch that match and not from Switzerland, thankfully, just the locals will be here. But it'll be a great atmosphere. It'll be the first time I'll be able to see fans at a football match in a long time. It'll feel different to what, I, what I'm sure all of us are used to. But more importantly, it's been brilliant to bring this to you as always. We always do our best to keep the National League news topping up every week. And hopefully you keep subscribing to our Twitter, to our podcasts on the, whatever you listen to, on Apple or Spotify or on Acast, which we also do. You can also follow us on the Twitter on the NT92pod the same on Instagram, NT92pod and I'm sure, and you can also find our email there too, if you wanted to ask us any questions or send us anything regarding the show. So, in the words of Biggie Smalls, to steal it from Rick Harkin if you don't, if you don't know now now you know. Is that how it works or is it another way around it?
1: <laughs> we'll go with that <laughs> we'll go
0: with that yeah if you don't know now now you know okay fair enough thank you everybody for listening take care god bless you all and we'll see you very soon take care everyone.